0: The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. for her who was said to be barren, for nothing is impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. May the Lord bless the reading of this living word. And may the words of my lips and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Phillips Brooks composed these words on December twenty-fifth, 1865, as he surveyed the little town of Bethlehem. He had ridden there on horseback from Jerusalem, passing by the fields where shepherds were said to have been keeping their watch by night. And then he arrived at the 1,200-year-old church of the Nativity, built on that place where Jesus was said to be born, just in time for a Christmas Eve service that lasted from 10 p.m. to 3 a.m., And some of y'all think this service is too long. Brooks had been given a sabbatical to the Holy Land by his church in Philadelphia after he had led them through the horrors of the Civil War. He had spoken forcefully against slavery, and he had shepherded shepherded his flock through the losses of sons and husbands and brothers and fathers. Brooks had lost his own brother. He knew the grief that 600,000 families were facing. There were more casualties in that war than every American war all the way up to Vietnam. Brooks had been one of the many to eulogize President Abraham Lincoln. And in the wake of his assassination, Many worried that this conflict, which had pitted brother against brother, had created a wound that the nation would never heal from. The fear of all those years must have weighed heavily on Brooks. But on that holy night, in that little town, he found the place where hope met his fears. He found peace. Brooks tried to bring that peace back to Philadelphia, and in 1868, he wrote A Little Town of Bethlehem for a children's Sunday school program. But long before the hopes and fears of all the years met in Phillips Brooks in Bethlehem, and nine months before they met in Jesus, born in a manger, they met in the heart of Mary. Mary just a few years older than Eden, who played her in this morning's Christmas pageant. As Barbara Brown Taylor explains, when Gabriel came to Mary, she was just a girl in her early teens, not in her 20s as the paintings and sculptures seem to convey. She was just a girl who had precious little experience with men or angels or the world. Depending on what translation you read, Luke tells us that Mary was much perplexed, confused, greatly troubled, or thoroughly shaken at the angel's greeting. He tells her, do not be afraid, but the fearful news just keeps coming. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High, And the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. How can this be? Barbara Brown Taylor says she would have asked a lot of other questions. Will Joseph stick around? We know from the Gospel of Matthew that he considered dismissing her quietly. Will my parents still love me? Will my friends stand by me? Or will I get dragged to town and stoned for sleeping around? Because Mary was betrothed to Joseph, she was legally his wife, and so she had apparently committed adultery, the sentence for which was death. Will the pregnancy go all right? Will the labor be hard? Will there be somebody there to help me when the time comes? Well, I know what to do. You say the child will be king of Israel, but what about me? Will I survive his birth? Some historians estimate that in 30% of births in Mary's time that the mother died in childbirth. 13-year-olds often say, my life is over. But Mary had reason to say it. Gabriel says that the power of God will overshadow her that the Holy Spirit will come upon her, that nothing will be impossible with God. And somehow Mary let out a deep sigh and said, Here I am, servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to Your Word. This was the miracle that made the miracle of Jesus' birth possible. The miracle of peace. That doesn't mean that Mary's peace lasted longer than a fleeting moment. That doesn't mean that Mary's fears were gone or that her fearful circumstances ceased. But in that moment, Mary chose to believe that the hope of what God might be doing was more than adequate to meet her fears, even as she still felt them. Do we? Do we believe that hope that what God it might be doing in our lives is adequate to meet our fears? On the second Sunday of Advent, we want peace and we want peace now. We want heavy artillery to pummel the evil forces of this world into submission. We want international headlines to proclaim an end of all conflicts. We want no more gunshots in classrooms or metal detectors at the doors or fights in the hallways. We want no more shouting in the house or the Senate or in our house. We want Christ to bang his judge's gavel and scream order. But just as T.S. Eliot surmised that the world would not end with a bang, but a whimper, I wonder if peace might not begin with a bang, but a whisper. A whisper inviting us to believe that God's hope is up to the task of meeting our fears. A whisper inviting us to say, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Oh, Little Town of Bethlehem is not a song we sing triumphantly with organ and trumpet and timpani. It's quiet and it's reflective, even a bit mournful. Its words are gentle, almost as if the hymn writer is trying to shush us so we don't sleep awake, asleep, wake a sleeping baby or a sleepy little town. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of His heaven. No ear may hear His coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive Him still, the dear Christ enters in. Phillips Brooks writes, that the wondrous gift of peace is given to us silently, unheard and unnoticed by most, but found by those listening human hearts which are held open. Elusive to most, but available to those souls meek enough to receive Christ as a babe. I don't know about you, but often when I'm trying to be quiet and when I'm trying to listen and be still the voices in my head get loud I have a hard time finding peace within at the height of the pandemic we did a study with our teenagers called faith in an anxious world and I still go back to some of the things we learned in those lessons and we tend to use fear and anxiety interchangeably but Anxiety is the fear that goes unnamed and undefined and unprocessed. And therefore, because we are not dealing with it, it has a tighter hold on us. Mary had to have felt a stomach tightening into knots for all sorts of reasons even before Gabriel came. She was a 13-year-old girl after all. But can you imagine how she felt when all the unspoken questions and what-ifs pressed on upon her, after Gabriel's pronouncement. In that study, we learned that we have to name our fears so that we can face them head on. So we set a timer, and we wrote down things that we were afraid of. When we did this, we discovered that most of the things we dread will probably never happen. If you don't believe me, write down all the things that you're worried about. Write down all the things that you're afraid of and I guarantee you most of it won't actually come true, though some things we're afraid of will certainly happen. We found that most of our fears were pretty manageable, though some were still completely overwhelming. But even in those overwhelming circumstances, writing our fears down or speaking them out loud helped to take the power away from them. It helped to loosen the grip that they had on us, even if it was just for that moment. What are you afraid of this morning? To find peace, you'll have to be honest about that. You'll have to face it head on. And this is counterintuitive, I know. I, we tend to believe the opposite, that we should ignore what we're afraid of and just try to get on with our lives. But the other thing we learned is that our anxiety can actually serve a purpose. If we pay attention to what we are afraid of, it can be a messenger. Perplexing, greatly troubling, confusing, but a messenger no less than Angel Gabriel. Anxiety can be an overreaction, ringing alarm bells that don't need to ring. Making us fear things that aren't actually threats. But anxiety can also motivate us to prepare for challenging circumstances or wake us up so that we'll be ready for opportunities that we'd otherwise miss. The second exercise that we did in Faith in an Anxious World was even more powerful than the first. We set a timer and tried to answer these questions. What might Jesus be saying to you in your anxiety? Where might Jesus be present in the very things you're most afraid of? Now, that was a complete shift in thinking for me from believing that fear had to be ignored or overcome so that I could find God's presence in my life to believing that God could be present in and speaking through and working within the very things I was afraid of. So, what are you afraid of this morning? Could God be present there, speaking through your fear, working within your fearful circumstances? Friends, Phillips Brooks' lyrics weren't just about that night in 1865 or even just about that holy night that Christ was born. They're about today. They're about right now. The hopes and fears of all the years. The place where hope is always more than enough to meet our fears is Christ. Go to your place within or with fear, within or without. Go to what you're most afraid of, and I promise if you wait long enough, you'll find Him there. I promise you will find peace. Not the peace that the world gives, but the peace that surpasses all understanding. Jill Jackson said this in an interview. When I attempted suicide in 1944 and didn't succeed, I knew for the first time unconditional love, which God is. You are totally loved, totally accepted, just the way you are. In that moment, I was not allowed to die. And something happened to me which is very difficult to explain. I had an eternal moment of truth in which I knew I was loved, in which I knew I was here for a purpose. It was that whisper of God's love, it was that hope meeting her fears that allowed her to write a song in 1955 that would be sung longingly by people all over the world. Let there be peace on earth and let it begin in me. Let it begin in you this morning because within you is that place that Christ, the hope of all the years, can more than meet your fears and the fears of this whole world. May it be so.